0: Let's talk about Thrones with me, Jenny Josephson, otherwise known as Jenny of Tarth when she's feeling it. Richard Gunther, whose name I forget. What? What's your what did we name you before you knew what we were talking know. about?
1: You know, sometime I was in Winterfell. Sometimes I've been someone else. I don't know. I'm I'm who knows. I'll okay. take whatever name you give me.
0: And we have Sarah Anthony of the of the.
1: The
2: frozen,
0: I forget, the it's frozen been so long. Of, of, yeah. I'm the best person to be driving this episode. Hell
1: yeah. <laughs> Why has it been so long, Jenny? Why has it been so long?
0: Oh, so many things. So many things, right. you guys. It would take like a whole recap episode to talk about it. <laughs> but I'd much rather talk about Game of Thrones because we are at <laughs> the two most spectacular, I would say, Episodes of the season two of Game of Thrones, Blackwater, and oh, we're all just going to murder it in different ways. Valar Margulis, Valar Margulis,
2: Valar Margulis, Valar 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 Margulis.
0: You have to say it like you really mean
1: it. Yeah, you have
2: to to say it like you're from somewhere that you're not from. That's that's Valar (laughs) Margulis.
0: Now, as you may know, each of us watches Game of Thrones with a particular eye. Richard, brand new, never seen it before. Coming to this like a babe in the woods. And Wide eyes.
1: Wide eyes. That,
0: that for me has been one of the best parts of the podcast so oh, far. Yeah. Anthony <laughs> is looking at it from a production standpoint. So shots, angles, you know, cuts, etc., stuff like that. And Jenny is not only not reading the books, <laughs> but she has also, <laughs> confession time, not watched a single episode of season two this whole time.
1: Uh, No, but I mean, to to put this in perspective, you have read the books and you have watched the series before. Mm -hmm. So you have this historical knowledge that we don't have. Right. So that's good.
0: And I'm a jerk and I'm going to catch up on all of them. So.
2: That might actually uh, might actually add another element to the show where you're doing everything from memory. I'm watching it fresh and Richard's watching it brand new. So
0: I like how you pivoted. That was a good pivot. That was like a professional pivot.
1: I've, I've been practicing right, for my post career. That's how I'll introduce it next time, okay?
0: Yes. Okay, so is there anything super important that we want to say about either of these two episodes at the top? Like just a flash gut I, take.
2: I have one thing, and there were a few pairs of episodes in Season 2 where the action kind of wasn't there, and there might not have been so much to talk about, and it's because you have to have a valley before you hit the peaks because these two episodes are jam-packed full of everything we love about Game of Thrones.
1: Yep, yeah, no, totally fair point. I have more notes on these than any two episodes we've watched, and for what it's worth, I think these are the two episodes of the last 20 that could live independently. They weren't mm. really a pair mm. in any way that the previous eighteen have been.
2: Right. Yeah. Especially. Uh, especially Blackwater episode two hundred nine, because as we were saying during the post show, it's its own. It's a single location. It's not multiple storylines. It's here's one thread for fifty eight minutes, and right. it just shoves it in your face because there's so much going on.
1: Yep, I agree. And I think we were talking that, about that in the pre-show, too. Mm. And
0: I think this is also the first episode where there's, like, really, really significant action at any scale. Am I correct?
2: Uh, if you're talking about, like, from a... a, a battle-wise.
0: battle-wise. Oh, yeah,
2: this is, this is the first major battle, other than small skirmishes here or there, that's actually taking place on screen. Um there's a lot yeah. of them that are alluded to off screen or you see the aftermath or the, you know leading up to the battle, but this is the first time it shows a full scale battle with literally a hundred extras on the scene and going at it at the it's and it's this is where the entire budget went for the for the second season was in episode
1: two oh nine. So all, right. all of that said, I still have Hold to on. say it felt Hold on. like
0: Hold on. Oh, uh, uh, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Before we get into discussing the episode in depth, I want to try an experiment. Okay. OK. OK. Let's see if we can go. I'm going to go see how fast I can go scene by scene and quickly describe in the most minimal way things that happen so that we can then just talk about it and not worry about what happens. Ready? OK. Try to do it in like, I don't know. 45 seconds.
2: Should, should, we right. you're should, doing we, this? should we have a TikTok sound this. in the background?
0: A yeah, we should have no. a countdown. Yeah, I'm going to try to do it, okay?
1: <laughs> All right. I'm betting t- she has a cheat sheet. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm, I think she has No, a cheat I'm not
0: going to do it from memory. What are you, high? <laughs> All right, hold on. Ready? Here we go. Davos on the deck of a boat. So is Stannis. Everybody vomits. Touching scene between Davos and his son. <laughs> Tyrion and Shay have a moment, and they're naked. Grandmaster Pycelle talks to Cersei. Everyone's sort of gearing up for the battle. They're all freaking out. Oh, a bunch of Lannisters singing a song called The Reigns of Castamere. I don't know. Will that be important? Uh, big, tall <laughs> Sandor Clegane <laughs> comes in. It's a whole lot of, like, pre-battle freaking out. Uh, Varys and Tyrion talk, and it's all, like, really, you know, uh, like, uh, ah. Ah. Uh, Help me out. Go, Anthony. High, high tension. High tension. High tension. Intrigue. Spying. They're talking about Melisandra and all of her super skills. Bells are ringing. Boats are coming. Then the Iron Throne is there. Oh, God. I'm not going to be able to do this. Everybody is still talking about a battle that hasn't happened yet. And then jo- then there's like almost a battle. And they're on like the line. It's that moment of silence before a battle happens. And then things really get crazy. And there's like a crazy earth battle with a lot of green fire. And uh, at the end, Tyrion gets knocked out. How'd I do?
1: Uh, wow. Wow. Um, not, okay. not bad. More than 45. But Yes. For sure. not, not, not terrible. There were some things that I caught in there that you didn't. But that's kind of the whole point of this discussion, isn't mm. it?
0: Yes. So now we can, like, relax and not worry about what order things go in and stuff. We can just talk about whatever we want.
1: And what's interesting about this is that we can talk about these independently. I mean, I, I think these stories don't blend together as tightly as others have. So let's go back and let's talk about, you know, we open this whole scene with a fleet of ships filled with clearly sick men who are filling their barrels to the brim with vomit. This is one of those moments where the show doesn't
2: really rely on history too much. You know, it's not a a historical show, but there are certain flashes of times when you'll be like, wow, that's probably just how that was. And so exactly. you're, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, man, I, I can see these these Egyptians, whatever, sailing away on this tyranny, and they're all sick to their stomach, and they're landing, and they're trying to fight as soon as they hit the ground, but they were vomiting the entire time they were on the way wherever they were trying to conquer, and it, it's kind of a, a humanity moment almost.
1: I was thinking the same thing, and I wondered, like, do they talk about this in the books? Do they talk about kind of the the you know the, the perils and... The stress of this kind of sea travel.
2: I don't remember that being mentioned over mu- too much in the books because that part of the book really focused on the conversation between um, uh, Davos and his son, and and, and uh, Davos and uh, uh, the, the 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 Fire King. <laughs> um, it really focused just on that prior to the battle. So,
0: you know, I think it's the part the book they talk about it actually in the book. which is named Master and Commander on the far side of the world. Um, (laughs) That was a ship nerd joke. There's no book by George R.R. Martin called Master and Commander. Um, (laughs) So anyway, uh, yeah, it's like um, Davos Seaworthy is genuinely – like I could – throw Stannis out the garbage. Like, he is not my fave. But Davos is your ordinary man. There aren't a lot of them either in this Game of Thrones. Like, Braun is one, and, you know, Davos is one, and they just represent the the guy on the ground, the guy who's just trying to get ahead. And it's a really nice moment with Davos and his son.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he's being very genuine, and his son is kind of trying to you know, not cheer, but encourage him on that this this is the right thing. You are doing the right thing. You are gonna take the seat that you are owed you are the ruling fleet. What are you worried about? And you know meanwhile you kind of have Stannis who's just like you know sailing in on nothing but his ignorance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so then you've got Shay and Tyrion talking as if they were, uh, I like to think of them in a meeting between clients and employers, or ah. no, clients and and consultants. I don't know. Uh, they're in a business relationship, and it involves nakedity. And yeah. uh, but they but Shay's pretty good at what she's doing, and obviously Tyrion is genuinely in love with her, and so they sort of have like the little pre-battle ritual of thinking, like, "Oh, I'm afraid." Oh, I stand by you, my lion, and all that. <laughs> and um it's not important yet, but it's you know, they're building this Shay Tyrion relationship for a purpose, thank mm-hmm. God. Because at some point it gets a little like repetitive. And it did through season two, I think.
2: They, they did spend a lot of time building it up in season two, these little scenes. So
1: whether you meant that to be or not, that was a spoiler for me, because I bought it. Oh, so uh, no, no, no. no wait, worth. no. We know
0: she's a prostitute, and that he's paying her, right?
1: Yeah, right.
0: We—that's kn- not a spoiler, but,
1: right? But <laughs> I'm buying that she cares.
0: Well, I'm not saying she doesn't. I'm just saying, like the- I said, either or. Let's argue with this for five minutes. <laughs>
1: No, let's not. Let's not. Let's move on. So, also, we end up in a scene where we see basically Bronn celebrating with a bunch of whores in a, I don't know, like a bar of some sort, until the hound comes in and throws cold water on it all Mm. and challenges him, at which point they are, in fact interrupted by the si- the sound of warning bells. This is
2: one of those scenes that I don't know that I quite understood the first time I watched it or even the first time I read it when they were... Th- this conflict between the two it just always seemed like like jockeying to me. But then when you watch on, on rewatch, I noticed that they're both visibly amped up towards this battle. They're both in in the fighting mood. And then you get two... A type personalities, these two very dominant people in a very close quarters, and it doesn't take long for those personalities to rub each other very wrong. And it, it I mean it's lucky for, for one of them that the bells went off because who knows who would have survived that battle, but that's that's an interesting an interesting dynamic. They build right out of the gate.
1: I agree, so- and it appears as though they're both very dedicated to that battle to the extent that they are. Mm. And I'm just you know, like we'll leave it at that, right? Cuz at some point that changes for each of them. But I think that they you know, they both believe in this cause, they just don't agree with each other for some reason.
0: Um one of the things that I really liked also about the Varys and Tyrion part, which comes next. Like, everybody gets their moment. Like, they're such archetypal preparing. Like, the, the one I always think about the most is actually in Lord of the Rings, the two towers, where they're getting ready for the the Battle of Helm's Deep. And to me, that is the classic get ready for battle scenes. But these are pretty good, too. Like, and the line that, I'm going to botch it a little, but the line that Varys and Tyrion say where, Varys hates the bells because they ring for dead kings and sieges. Mm-hmm. Tyrion adds weddings, and Varys and says weddings. that's exactly what he means. And <laughs> I'm just going to say that out loud. Say anything else?
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It is a. Uh, it's it's sly, but very direct on how he relates all of those together: uh, weddings, death of kings, and battles. Um, yeah, very yep. very good. Uh, and, and then uh, right after that, we start actually getting into the battle itself. The the you know the ships are are showing up and they're about ready to hit the shore, and that's when Tyrion's Oh, But wait,
1: wait, 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 wait! Before we get there, before we get there, there's there's this awesome moment. At least I think this is what happens. There's this awesome moment where Joffrey is in no, a panic no 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 buddy. He know- what? no buddy. No, no, what? What? No, 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 what do you mean? No no, no no no
0: no no no. Going scene by scene. This, this yeah, may not be the most organized. But it is the crankiest totally Game am. of Thrones
1: podcast. I totally <laughs> am.
2: All right, okay, so, go. So Joffrey goes to the battlements with Tyrion, Yeah. and basically, once once Tyrion to to do all the things to to attack, to fend him off, and you can see he's visibly visibly getting nervous. And Tyrion basically keeps his cool. And the ships start coming in. And Richard, you look you look like we're missing something again. What are we missing?
1: We're missing what I think, and maybe I misinterpreted this, but I interpret a scene between Sansa and Joffrey before he goes out there about him, where him kissing the blade. She, he, he is—he seems to be stressed out about it, so he needs an ego boost. So he does the whole mm. kiss the blade shit, and she, if. And maybe I'm maybe I'm reading this into it because I want to believe this, but it seems to me like she's almost trying to push him to lure him into going into harm's way.
2: Right. Yeah. She she does give him quite the sar- sarcastic uh, uh, reply to to it all, and he kind of glances at her, but then realizes, well, he's got more important things than to beat the crap out of Sansa right now, and he moves on. So yeah.
1: Ugh! This kid. See that happened <laughs> chronologically. I was I was not out of line there.
0: Um. Yeah. All
2: right.
0: Yeah. You skipped some scenes, Whatever. but that's okay. They're little mini scenes.
2: That's kind of all this episode is: is a bunch of mini scenes in the same location.
0: A bunch of mini scenes in the same location. A uh, Anthony Peacemaker. So. <laughs> Then you've got Joffrey going out and he's basically like trying to play cool. He's like a, you know, 14 year old. He's trying to play cool. He's not doing a good job of playing cool. And that's pretty much the gist of that. And then you cut back to Davos and they're sort of like feeling a little bit weird. Like, why isn't anyone trying to stop us? What's going on? Mm And they're feeling like that weird feeling of you're feeling confident, but you shouldn't. You know you shouldn't feel confident.
2: See a- again, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna bring up my point that every time Davos says something, he's right. Davos is yes. never wrong. There's never. something odd about this. They're just letting us in. Why aren't they attacking us yet? Right, exactly. And what happens? Oh, it was a trap. Um, you know, and that that little ship that they they send a ship out to the middle and it's, it's leaking out the green stuff and. And that's, you know, they see that and he knows exactly what it is immediately, how he knew there was no telling, but he knew exactly what it was immediately right as the arrow flew. And boom, most of the most of the fleet is decimated. Oh,
0: this was a hell
1: beautiful. of a scene. It was a beautiful scene. It was wonderful. There's so many things about this, right? Like Tyrion knew about this all along. He knew this was the plan. He never let Joffrey in on this. Mm-mm. He didn't like, Right. Like this. This is like the strategy. Joffrey thinks that they're basically screwed, mm-hmm. and he lets him stress about it. He doesn't let him think. Oh, don't worry about this. We got this handled. Right. But in fact, they have this handled, and that was awesome. That scene was amazing.
2: Yeah, um, and then of course the b- battle begins proper, and as right as as soon as it does, uh, Cersei sends for Joffrey because she's huddled in her little sanctum. And when he receives word, instead of standing up and fighting with his man, he finds reasons to go back to mommy.
0: Mm-hmm. Mommy, who's like six bottles of wine. deep at this point. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's probably what I would do is go to the tallest tower and I wouldn't get wasted, but I'd eat a lot of good food from the kitchen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Yeah, and and that I I think once again Joffrey shows his character every time he's under stress he shows his character and it's on rewatching it now it's almost getting to the point it's like man won't somebody just shut this kid up you know and it's just he gets more and more irritating the more I watch and then as we get into the next episode it even happens even more it's just man he's just a little piece of crap.
1: I'm just telling you I have faith. I have faith that at some point in time someone will shut him up. <laughs> I have faith. Anyway, I I feel like we skipped some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like Cersei, the whole time she's getting drunk, she's like tormenting Sansa. Mm. Right? She's yep. they're they're all holed up together. All these women are together. They're kind of hiding out, you know, save the women and children and She keeps on inviting her over, and all I can think of is she has this poison, and is she, in fact, going to use it on Sansa? Mm. And to what end does that serve at this point in time? I don't understand the logic of that. So ultimately, we learn that she doesn't, but that she's really just kind of fucking with her. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Right? Right?
2: Yeah, she she's basically just removing hope from her with every talk that they have. Uh breaking it yeah. down even further and it's 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 almost done nearly casually from Cersei's point of view. It just it seems like something that just she's just doing. It's just like, Well I'm I'm drunk oh. and I I'm not gonna hold back, and I'm just gonna wreck you because it makes me feel better by myself.
1: Let me tell you what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right, in, in more of a drunk voice than I even have right now. <laughs> and so, what, what's next?
0: Okay, so this is my favorite. There, there are certain tropes, that, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but just like certain things you see across literature and television, which is um, the guy that didn't go to the meeting gets all blustery about wanting to be in charge and the plan, but there was a meeting And they have a plan and he's about to find out what it is. You you know that trope? They do it all the time. Mm. And then all the things that you've subtly been seeing that look like very bad moves by the Lannisters uh, are are leading up to something obviously very green and dramatic. So, like, to have a single ship leave the city docks and Joffrey going, like, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? Like. Like that's my that's one of my favorite just like little moments that you see in storytelling.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I loved it.
2: That whole scene it, it was is effective, beautifully constructed. I even thought that the way that it was shot was nice because the way the, the when you're looking at Tyrion and um, and Joffrey, Joffrey's never as tall as Tyrion is in in any of, any of that scene. Because, mm. You know, Tyrion's actually standing <laughs> up on the <laughs> rafter, but uh, Joffrey's never as tall as he's always looking up at his uncle. Even though he's like a foot taller, and you know, oh my
1: god, Anthony, you are awesome! I didn't catch that once. Yeah,
2: that's it, just the way that, that is. It's 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 gorgeous, and uh, it it really shows a lot of a, a lot of that that dominance that Tyrion has on that situation at the time because he is literally just as tall as everyone, and then taller than Joffrey. And it's it's camera angles and props, but it's done very very well.
1: Yep, that is that is absolutely awesome. All right, so we have. This this battle that's going on, mm. we have the the point where they're beyond the green fire or the wildfire or whatever it was called. Now they're storming the castle, mm-hmm. like the literal storming of the castle, not the figurative storming of the castle. <laughs> and they're climbing the walls and they're throwing boulders off the edge of the castle. Because you always have spare boulders at the top of a castle. I, I thought... Really, that that was just like uh, you know something out of Money Python movies, but apparently it's real. And what I thought was interesting is that we end up in this situation where, and and I apologize, I like here we have these two like competing forces, Brawn and the Hound, and I don't honestly remember which one this is, but. One of them goes out to kind of lead the fight outside the gate.
2: That's the hound. And
1: he, Okay, and oh, that's even better, right? That, because the hound is like this badass force mm. that you are not going to mess with, and his men get slaughtered.
2: Yeah. Well, he he had the uh, the quote of the show going out the gate that that I thought. And right. He said. He said. Uh, he said any man dies with a clean sword, I'll rape his fucking corpse. And I was just like, dang, uh, I'm stabbing somebody. OK, yeah, cool. Uh-
0: <laughs> Can I just point out one thing that that is important, um, which is Bronn mm-hmm. being the one to shoot the arrow yes. that lights the wildfire?
2: Yeah, that's where Bronn was in this whole thing. He was actually removed from the battle itself because yep. he was out on the on the the, the, the beach or whatever behind the rocks.
0: Just so. in your mental notes, just put braun, comma, arrow, comma, good shot, period.
1: <laughs> and I, I, I did I did
0: find
2: it interesting that of all the people that, um, that Tyrion could have sent out there, he sends Braun, the one person he has kind of an allegiance with, uh, with their personal relationship. So was he sending him out there because he trusted him? Or was he sending him out there to kind of keep him out of the battle proper? Or a little bit of both? And... I never quite reconciled that while watching it, but it seems like it was a little bit of both.
1: Um, so from a first watch yeah. perspective, it seemed to me like it was the former that it was that he believed that he was the person who could get it done. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know okay, if that's so, real. I, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was going to go through the Sansa scene with like the things are dark up in the tower. Um like really fast because basically Cersei is drunk <laughs> and she's getting dark and it's Sansa's freaking out mm. and that's it. That's all you need to know.
2: But this is one of those scenes where, um, Sansa is doing both roles though. She's playing the victim to Cersei, but she's also playing the, the noble woman, the, the noble, the, the, the soon to be queen to all of the lesser nobles in the room. She's playing both right. roles, you know, um, one that she's kind of learned by the fire on how to do and that's play the victim. And the other one, how she's been trained to do by following her mother's lead and things like that, knowing what her role is inherently, even though Cersei is kind of trying to corrupt that. but she, And that might be part of the reason why Cersei is so pissed off at her this whole time is because she is doing the, the, the noble role and, and, and attending to the to the lesser nobles.
1: Right, and trying to comfort them in their time of concern and stress.
2: Right, which is something Cersei just has no interest in doing.
1: None at all, because she's only worried about herself and her family. That's Mm. that's it. Yep. All right, I got to get back to the Hound. I got to get back to the Hound, because we have this battle. (laughs) The Hound loses a ton of people, Mm. and he just goes off the deep end. He's like, enough of this shit. And he has what I have as my favorite quote of this entire episode. (laughs) Because it's so unexpected from him. And he spells it out. He doesn't abbreviate it like I will. But F the Kingsguard, F the city, F Mm. the king. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and he walks off. So
2: the hound's made the the only thing the hound is afraid of is fire. Understandably so, half its fate is <laughs> melted off his skull. Um, and when he when they start shooting fire arrows down on the uh, on stanis 's troops, and one of two one or two of those come a little too close to him, he bails. He's done. He's it's over. He goes back inside. They you know they order him back out, and he's like, mm, that's when he delivers that line right there. And he ushers off on his own path. He's now his own man. He's going to do his own thing.
1: I love that. I love that. I thought that was awesome because he was the henchman. He was basically you know, the guy that we believed probably had a heart somewhere that was at the beck and call of the asshole on the throne. Right.
2: Um, and I find it interesting where he goes. The first place he goes is to go find Sansa. And to try to get her to leave with him. And Mm -hmm. once again, in my opinion, Sansa makes, again, the wrong decision. Like, she just cannot... She's the opposite of of Davos. She's always wrong.
1: Yeah, how many times is she going to do this? How many times is she going to deny the helping hand? Right. That may, may not be, but perhaps she could manipulate it in her favor, but may be, in fact, genuinely trying to help her.
2: Yeah, and this, again, shows an interesting side of the hound, um, because this is a pattern he will repeat, these moments of, well, I'm going to deliver you safely, even at the cost of my own harm, I'm going to deliver you safe, safety, safely for no apparent reason, no really big reason. There's no major reward or anything else, it's just he's going to pick somebody and deliver them to safety, and... Sometimes it doesn't work out very well for him, but it's interesting that he repeats this pattern behavior, even though he's such a hard ass on, you know, public facing.
0: Okay. So this is where the scenes are getting really intense. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tyrion gets his face sliced. And they do it very...
1: We haven't gotten there yet. Oh,
0: God, you guys, I have three cats <laughs> I back you and up. they all want to be I, fed. I,
1: I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I totally got to back you up because another great line, because Tyrion always has a great line, but Tyrion's in a position where they are screwed and the king has run for his mama. And so what does he have to do? He has to figure out how to rally the troops Here, this half guy has to, like, come up with a way of getting everybody interested in actually continuing to defend the city. Mm -hmm. And he does it. Mm -hmm. He has this amazing speech. And one of my favorite lines, again, in this episode is from Tyrion, where he screams out, amongst other stuff, those are brave men knocking at our door. Let's go kill them. (laughs)
2: I love that the, the, that whole battle and Tyrion heading out there. It you can see on his face entirely he doesn't want to do it. It's not. I mean, it's the decision he's fighting within himself to do. And this is again an uh, attributable attributable to Peter Dinklage's portrayal of Tyrion. Um, you know the face acting and this 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 uh, emotion that, that he just can't. You he doesn't have a line to express it, so he uses his body language in his face, and it portrays this emotion for you. And then he delivers these lines in the speech and they go out there and they just start fighting back. And there's a little uh, strategery to it. They go out a different door and kind of come back behind the, the forces that are opposing him, stuff like that. Um, and really, he saves the day. He saves uh, saves that gate from going down and from the from Stannis' troops from just rushing in. But it doesn't quite work Absolutely. out for him. because, And this is one of the scenes where I don't think this was shot very well because I didn't catch it the first time I watched it or the second time I watched it or the third time I watched it. When Tyrion gets his face sliced, who did it?
1: You don't know. I have no idea. I have no friggin' clue right. who did and it. And they say who it is. In we the, find out later. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. But at the time you don't see it and it's not even supposed to be a mystery. Uh, from what I understand, it's supposed to be right there in your face. Oh yeah, that's the guy that did it. But it's, It's colluded, and you can't see it at all. And it's just one of my least favorite scenes. That that particular cut is one of my least favorite cuts in the entire series.
1: Yeah, it was really confusing, because I don't understand who did it, but we are supposed to somehow know this when we get into that next episode. They just talk about it as if, oh, yeah, well, this happened. Mm -hmm. So he gets his face sliced, and we don't really know what happens to him. I mean, we almost... Are left to believe that maybe he didn't survive.
2: Right, it's a fade to black moment for him. Like it, it li- for him, yeah, it's literally the last the last part <laughs> of that scene is a uh, first person view, him falling back and it fading to black. Yep, and then it cuts to to um, it cuts to his dad rushing in with uh, the Tyrells and slaughtering all the, the the Stannis army that's left and finishing off the saving of the day that. Tyrion had started.
1: So I have a question, because here's where I get confused, and this is one of the reasons why I think I got bored with all Stannis and Davros and all that bullshit. One of them, and I don't really recall who it was, and in some ways I couldn't even tell who it was, who was actually leading the charge? One of them was up front with the men leading the charge to the castle, and then up on to the castle wall.
2: That was Stannis,
1: and he got captured. Did he not?
2: He gets pushed back at the very last second and has to leave, uh, and, okay. and his men actually pull him back so that he doesn't get captured and killed. But that that whole thing, like the whole part about Stannis going up on the different part of the wall and fighting people, and you know, slaughtering all of these uh, all these defenders of the city. It that part to me seemed more Monty Python because it seemed like he was going around killing people, but it wasn't having any consequence on anything else that was going on.
1: No, but what it was demonstrating, or at least what they I think I think they were trying to demonstrate, is that he was up there with his men. He was right. trying to demonstrate that he could lead the charge, he could be up there, he wasn't just going to command people to go and do this on his behalf.
2: Yeah, but being on the front line and being ineffective is still being ineffective, so...
1: (laughs) Yeah, good point. All right, so basically you're right. Uh, Tywin basically saves the night, and this happens in a moment that you guys kind of foreshadowed for me just half a second, maybe if that much, from the moment when... Cersei was about to poison her child, Mm. so they wouldn't end up in a capture situation.
2: Yeah, and this is uh, this is one of those scenes where she's Cersei's talking to oh uh, not not Tommen that's a Stark kid. Uh, No, that's
0: Tommen. That's Tommen. Tommen, uh, It's. It's Joffrey, Tommen, and
2: and Mer- Mirabella Marcella. or whatever her name is. Marcella, that one I remember. Um, so so Cersei's talking to Tommen in the throne room. She's got this little, uh, you know, the, the little bottle of of night. Is it not nightshade? It's is it? Well, maybe it is nightshade. It's some some chemical that's going to kill them if, if they swallow it. And she's about to administer oh, it.
1: It's the same shit that killed Romeo and Juliet. Come right. on, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> uh, it's, it's
2: bad stuff. And uh, she goes through this whole thing about how everything was supposed to be and you know, they're supposed to be so magical and sometimes you just have to make these choices and she's, uh, she's using this soothing voice going through this little monologue that's just terrible to hear a mother tell their child and right as she's about to give Tom and this lethal dose of, of poison, her dad comes charging into the throne room and everything is well again for her.
1: And that is the second time that that has happened since you told me that it would.
0: Hey, Richard, one day when you least expect it, I'm going to spoil something so massive and you'll look back fondly on the times when we gently alluded to it.
2: (laughs) Um, It'll be one of those times when uh, when, when you can't really see Arya in her future.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. All right,
0: <laughs> we should have we should just have a um obtuse or an oblique spoilathon where we just say shit and Richard has to decide if it's a spoiler
1: or not, Ooh, and only we will know. Uh, Ooh, oh, okay. Let's start with this one. Nearly everybody dies at the wedding. Uh, <laughs> oh, <wait>. well, <laughs> well played.
2: That, that really that really depends on which wedding you're talking about.
1: Oh, all right. I'm all just right. joking. All right, sorry. Let we've kind of hijacked this episode. Jenny, get us back Eek! on track. Eek! Tywin, Tywin. All right, maybe me. Tywin, because I'm so excited. This is awesome. Tywin comes in. He saves the night, and now we're in episode two ten. Uh, real
2: quick, one last thing on episode two nine. Did you listen? Really? Did you listen to the theme, the song that was playing? At the end of the episode, oh yeah,
1: wasn't it what they were singing in the in the bar or whorehouse or whatever it was? It was.
2: It's called "The Reigns yeah. of Castamere." It's the Lannister family song. It's probably one that you want to keep in your mind. Okay, and that is that. Should
1: I get the sheet music or something so uh, I can memorize? I mean, it? if you if
2: you're really into it, if I you want to, if you want to pick up on how to play it on piccolo, that's cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do they still make sheet music? Is I, that a thing? I don't know if still? they still
2: make piccolos. Uh, so, episode 210. <laughs> Jenny.
0: <laughs> okay. Hello. Welcome to 210 episode season finale of Valor Margulis Game of Thrones. Um, it This is, by the way, this is time travel back to 2012. I just thought I would take a moment to mention that. Um, now we're back to the. Game of Thrones is a uh, big for the big one location, all out hellscape battle. And then the final episode of every season is kind of like a whip around mm. um, in which they just are Holy like crap. You, oh, you, 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 you.
1: So right, like people I forgot about. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, the people you didn't realize you were missing the previous episode are now all right? very important.
0: Yes, <laughs> we've had the big ass battle, and really, that episode was super important. That the Game of Thrones guys proved they could do a multi-stage battle like that—that that was for TV. That was huge, mm. and it, it really definitely um, made up for the end of season one's non-battle. Right. Um, so it was
1: huge, but I have to tell you something. I have to. I have to confess something. The weekend before I watched that episode, we just watched some of the movies from The Lord of the Rings. Mm. And so I'm looking at this. I'm like, eh, 100 extras. Okay. I guess that's a battle scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it was good. It was good. All right. So on to 210. Sorry. For the
2: third time, Jenny, go.
0: Okay. So... We awaken to Tyrion Lannister, who's awakening from unconsciousness after his, like, battle PTSD. And in this short period of time, things have changed. Because his father, the dresser of deer, Staggs, has shown up, Tywin Lannister, and has taken charge of the, you know, is now the Hand of the King. And Mm -hmm. all of Tyrion's sort of forces have been um, sent home.
2: Well, Bronn is no longer in charge of the city guard. Uh, Tyrion is mm-hmm. no longer Hand of the King, and he's no longer in the Hand of the King's chambers. He's now in, in, in his own separate room in basically the slums of the of the palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything else is kind of topsy-turvy because he no longer has any power because he's not Hand of the King anymore. He's um, just Tyrion Lannister.
0: Yeah, and also Tywin basically takes credit for the entire Battle of the Blackwater, which is like, that's nice. And so Tyrion is written out of the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> which is like great. Well,
1: officially, perhaps, but people know. People know. Yeah,
2: people remember.
0: And then some of the skullduggery about who's in whose armor from the last episode is revealed. And Lord Peter Baelish, who's always behind the scenes doing something, it turns out he made an alliance between the House of Lannister and the House of Tyrell. And you haven't heard much about the House of Tyrell other than they have a very beautiful um uh son who used to be uh with Renly Baratheon, but now they've switched alliances and uh everybody's happy about that and Baelish gets um title and land and applause and blah 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 blah. Hmm. So And laughter. And laughter. <laughs> he he knows a moment. He knows how to do a moment. And uh
2: so, but the best part of that scene is what happens right after that. Yeah, and that's when Sir Loras is given. Uh, uh, King Joffrey is asked, asked Sir Loras, you, know, you came to our aid. Is there anything that I can do for you? And he says, Yes, marry my sister. There's a kerfuffle about. Oh, well, Joffrey's already betrothed to Sansa. The small council and Pycelle come along, and say, No, that's that. You're good. You're good. You're good. So then he promises himself to. Uh, Natalie Dormer, I mean, um, uh, uh, the the lady uh, Marjorie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, everybody applauds. And Sansa walks away. She's grinning because she thinks she's free from Joffrey. And of course, Creeper McCreeperson himself, Littlefinger, comes up behind her and reminds her of her place in the city. And again, offers yeah. to help her get away. And again, she chooses poorly.
1: Nope my home is here. <laughs> <Nope>. No. <laughs> no, it's really not. And he says again I wrote this line down, look around you, we're all liars here. We're all better than you. Yeah, yeah
2: we're all we're all <laughs> liars an here awesome and we're all line. better than you. Um, so, so now, even <laughs> an awesome even the even the, the Creeper McCreeperson is trying to get in her pants is putting her down. So she's just not in a good place <laughs> at all, in any way, shape, or form at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this opening sequence was kind of amazing. Like, there's so much happened in a what three to five minute span. It was unbelievable. Right. We had uh, uh, I put in my notes three lines. Tywin becomes the hand. Mm-hmm. Littlefinger gets a castle, and Joffrey swaps fiancés because the gods will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And
0: I do really like the theater of it all. It's like, oh, we are all doing this spontaneously. Mm. This could be a thing. Yes, I do think this will work. You know, like, but it's all very been very carefully choreographed.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, you, you know, there's a three hour meeting of the minds just prior to this going on up there, where everybody knew their part and they went out there and yeah. played their part.
0: And meanwhile, Sansa's like just gotten the gift of the century. She thinks, which she thinks, you know, not untrue. Yep.
2: Yeah. Um, and then you cut to Varys with Roz, mm. and Varys says, "I, you know, your employer isn't so good, but I can be better." And it just leads to this, to this illusion that something really, really sinister is going on because well, Varys and Littlefinger don't like each other, and that's known. And then it just like now that's gone for now, so we'll just wait until I guess next season before we find out any fruition from that,
1: or <laughs> or a couple seasons, or I don't know. Never? So much good information here, so much good conversation here. The dialogue was amazing. Mm-hmm. He she reaches for his crotch. There's nothing there, and suddenly assembly- he makes a slide. <laughs> A a, a wonderful comment about that. He turns to her and says, look, Littlefinger looks at you and sees a collection of little holes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God. What an amazing line. What an amazing line. And so true. He offers her more.
2: Yeah. Um. And and I thought that was a really interesting scene because, like I said, I don't remember any payoff from that scene. Like it may have happened, mm-hmm. it may have occurred, but I don't remember it. So to me, even rewatching this, it just feels like I'm I'm missing something. And it was nice to have that feeling because I can't believe that it would go on any longer than what I've seen and then pay off. So I must have missed the scene somewhere, and I'm sure that once we hit it, I'm going to be the new Richard, and I'll be like. <gasps> Wow. I
0: mean, I think I know where it's going, but I'm not allowed to say it out loud.
1: <laughs> Ooh, okay. I it's love a, the it's rules again of the show.
0: choices made and are they the right ones?
1: <laughs> They're the right ones. Well, so, maybe not by us.
0: Hmm. Um, all right, so then we get to essentially the greatest unrequited love story in Game of Thrones history. <laughs> Brienne and Jamie
2: Lannister. Uh, and, and this is another uh. amazing scene because he's try, still trying to put her down the entire time. She's not succumbing to it, but you can tell she's starting to get a little agitated. She's, it's, it's annoying to her. And then they're faced with um, faced with the thugs, basically, these Stark thugs that are like, well, we won, we, we recognize that's Jamie Lannister, give him to us, and she's like, mm, no. And she finally shows Jamie what she's worth is what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, this was this was an amazing scene.
2: So all because you didn't want the uh, the ladies to hang for having laid with lions, as it was said. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So all I need to say about Rob Stark is he's a dum-dum.
1: On the nose. He's a dum-dum. Yep. Like. uh, And we didn't even get to the. The dumb part. He's just having the conversation with his mother, right? Yeah. He's just like, no, I want to but I love this woman. I yeah. really want to be with her. Game and, of Love. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's called Game of Thrones, dumb dumb.
2: Yeah, this is
0: it's just That's all you need to say about this scene, really.
2: Even the first time I watched this scene I was like, "This everything about Rob from this point on is cringeworthy. Everything. Every scene he's in and just like I can't believe you're doing that.
1: So again, I have to give my first viewer's perspective. From the first viewer's perspective, he's learned from his father, even though this is not what his father wanted him to do, his father always did the right thing. And I think he believes that he is doing the right thing. Hmm. It's not necessarily the right thing, but I think he believes that by following his heart, he is doing the right thing.
2: Which, by the way, was never something that Ned taught him. <laughs> like, th- this is, he he believes he's doing the right thing, but this is not like, you know, he didn't have a talk with, with Ned sometime where they were like, oh, yeah, if you ever want to fall in love, just go ahead and fall in love. Don't worry about all the other stuff going on.
1: Well, I mean, you know, frankly, we missed the whole growing up of Rob and all of that. But, I mean, I might argue that, you know, we saw Ned be loyal and doing what he thought was right and all of that time and time and time again until it was his undoing. I'm just, that's all I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Um, so then we've got a scene, well, dark scene with the defeated Baratheon Stannis. And then you've got Melisandre and it gets like a little chokey, chokey, which I'm Mm -hmm. never a fan of, but interesting that he's choking her neck where that, um, Piece of jewelry is right, and then you know it's basically just like that didn't work, but it will work. That didn't work, but it will work. That's what happened there.
2: And this is the first time that she does the whole gaze into the fire. Do you see what I see? No, I see fire. Look again. Oh, I still see fire. Look again. Oh, there I see something. It kind of this whole fire illusion thing that they start leading into that frankly got got a bit annoying to me by the end
0: one thing that's important or is not i don't know uh is when she says you know that the battle will last for years thousands will die at stannis's command he will betray his men, his family and everything he once held dear but that it will be worth it hmm. and uh you know i don't know it's a good line <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, that's, uh, there's definitely another one of those little soft, uh, soft tosses Richard's way.
1: Um, or
0: isn't, is it, or is it?
1: <laughs> I didn't necessarily even catch anything from that. This whole scene bothered me. I yeah. thought it was, uh, un- I don't know if unnecessary is the right word, but it, it struck me as a little bit gratuitous. I don't really like any scene that she's been in and I don't know if that's just the way they're painting her. Like I'm supposed to feel that way or if it's just kind of tiresome, but I'm tired by it. Now.
2: If it wasn't for her very specific purpose that I found value in, I would hate Melisandre. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Um, we cut...
0: of people we hate. Oh,
2: oh yes. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> the, this is like uh this is something else. Uh Theon Greyjoy
1: mm-hmm. this. manages
0: to flock up so much in so little time just like be an idiot, basically. He's just an idiot. And uh it ends sadly uh it doesn't end well. <sighs>
1: Not well. Not sadly for him. I'm I'm happy about how it ends for him. I'm not happy about how it ends for others.
0: Mr. Lewin,
2: yeah, yeah. uh yeah. So mr Luwin is 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 killed. All the 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 drowned men all return home. Supposedly, I mean, you don't actually see anything other than that they're not there anymore. And Theon is knocked out, put a sack over his head, and we don't know what happened to him either. However, Winterfell right. is raised, and that yeah. to me—that to me was one of the tragedies of this scene.
1: So, so what do you mean by that specific? Like, I'm—I'm—you lost me there. Which part of it? Winterfell being raised. Winterfell is raised. It's, what? What do you messed mean messed up? That? It's broken. Set
0: aflame.
2: Attack, yeah.
0: Raised to the ground.
1: R a z e d. Yeah. How did? How did I miss that? It's the like, the scene they just, where
2: the where the boys and Osha and uh Hodor are escaping. They're leaving Winterfell. You can it, it shows Winterfell in the background and it's just completely in smoke and flames.
1: I missed the smoke and flames. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That might be title material. <laughs> um so I, <laughs> what Wow, okay, I I totally missed that. So, yeah, I I saw them escaping. All I caught from that was, okay, here's this idiot, Theon, and he's rallying his men in what is, in fact, a damn good speech from a loser to all get together and fight to go home. And they knock him out and decide to go home. (laughs) Right.
2: Which
0: is just one of the but, great sort of like tragic comedic beats of this
2: episode. Yep. And it was great yep, because, yep, because yep. the guy that knocks him out in the second second in command is like they're like, Man, I I didn't know who would ever shut up. And the second in command's like, I don't know, it's a good speech. <laughs> right, before, right after he knocks him out. You well know, that knocks him out cold, yeah. One of the great spots.
1: That was awesome. <laughs> Thunk. Yep, that was awesome. But Ends up injuring and ultimately kind of mortally injuring Mr. Lewin.
2: Yeah. Um, and uh, on, honestly, the way the story goes from here, I don't know that that's not a necessary death, unfortunately, just because the continuity at Winterfell had to be completely severed for the the events that will transpire later to transpire.
1: Okay. So stuff happens before we... See all of them mm. escaping from Winterfell. We see Rob for a couple seconds marrying mm. random Doctor Woman, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Um, we see Daenerys visiting the. Uh, I, what are they? Are they warlocks? Are yeah, they the, what are they? The warlocks at the house the of warlocks?
2: the warlocks?
1: Yeah. Okay, so the warlock's house. Um, with a it, it, clever little scene there that required no special effects whatsoever.
2: Uh, don't forget the scene with um, uh, Tyrion or um, excuse me Tyrion and Varys speak while Tyrion's in, uh, laying laying down, and Shay comes in after oh. Varys basically says we're still friends but we can't communicate anymore because of the way the power powers have shifted. And then he leaves, and in his place is Shay. And Shay basically unwraps his face, and they. Reaffirm that they're still in this relationship. Shea tries to get him to leave, and he says, "No, this is where I belong so tragically, as this story has been going for a while now, they all make the wrong choice, and they stay there
1: <laughs> so I, I and and yes, I get that, but a couple things that caught me just from a story perspective, and they maybe they're short term maybe they're not. I don't know, in my opinion, you know, I have not trusted Varus, Varus is living. I thought Varys was defending himself beyond anything else. And I think this is where he shows that in addition to sticking up for himself, he understands what's right for the realm. And he is, in fact, trying to do the right thing for the realm. And he says as much to Tyrion when he tells him, we know what you did. We know that you made this possible. Mm. So you know i won't forget that and then the follow on to that is when shay who comes and says you know take off your your mat or Bandage. you know your your uh, bandages and let me see you and he says you know i need to stay here and she wants him to leave and he expects her to just go on her way and she says, "No, you're stupid. You forgot. I'm. I told you. I'm. I'm here. I'm yours. You're mine." And literally reduces Tyrion to tears. Mm. And I wonder how often we see that. I think that's kind of an amazing moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so that didn't sound terribly sincere. I'll pretend that uh, no, that No, I actually, look, I
0: have a very strong theory about all this, um, that I think you can do two things at once.
2: Uh, be in a I contract and fall in love at the same time? I think you can two things
0: at once. <laughs> I think you can feel two Pretty things woman. at
2: once. Pretty woman! Yeah. Um, so...
0: In that moment, I think that's okay. genuine.
2: I, this is this is one of those moments, Richard, that I need you to put a pin in because when we get to a part of the story later on, we will look back at this and I'll tell you my theory on exactly what happened here. Um, yeah, you're gonna be like, remember when I said exactly? Uh, I, I, and and it's a very specific thing that I can't I can't figure out a way to allude to without yeah. de- without you know delivering the goods. So we'll but just it move has, on.
0: It has to do with putting a pin in it, I guess. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Ouch. Okay, all right. joke humor, Richard. Uh, joke that. humor. Uh, joke humor. Okay, one more thing happened that, that before we Jenny, run up against – Ginny,
2: uh, that joke was whoa. shitty.
1: That joke was shitty. Oh. All right. Come on. This is like – now you're in like inside baseball stuff. All right. So
0: – That was a trip One triple. more thing. <laughs> that one was a triple.
1: Happened. <laughs> oh, I with... almost choked on my laughter. Oh, man. Jacqueline Hagar. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I'm just going to continue on with this story. And he gives her this coin mm. where he says, you know, come with me, come with me. And she's like, no, I can't. I got to find my family and even my sister. Yeah, even my sister. <laughs> and and I, so I'm going to go do that. And he says, all right, well, here, if you ever need anything, here's a coin. Mm. And it's essentially, for intents and purposes, his calling card. And he says, give this to somebody from where I'm from and tell them this name, the name that we can't pronounce, Valar Maka, whatever, whatever.
2: yeah, Valar Maka. And
1: And uh, she says, okay, what is that again? And they go through that dance. And he turns around after talking about, you know, I need to leave with a new face. And he shows... Literally, a new face. Mm. Pretty kinda dope. Cool. Kind of creepy. Yep. <sighs> yeah. And uh, all of the, all of that
2: I'm going to say about my theory on this until we until we get to a different place in the story is that uh, her swordmaster, her her dancing teacher, uh, and Valar Magulus guy that we can't pronounce the name of are both from the same place. Both from the same place.
0: Roughly, yep. Right.
2: Because he was the best sword in Bravos, mm-hmm. and Jakin Hakar is from Bravos, mm. so I'm not saying they're related, but I theorize they might be. That's all I'm gonna. That's, mm. how, that's how far I'm gonna go with that one.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. so so there's that. So you know, already you have me believing in dragons <laughs> and witches, and now maybe shapeshifters. I don't know. I'm just saying, mm. like, what what's next? Yeah, it's Well, we'll get to that. Um that that, in that this is episode. that is
2: one of my favorite scenes because it's <laughs> it's it leads into so many things and it, it once again it's somebody making a choice that has amazing consequences that
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: Jenny, Jenny just cut up to the episode.
1: Uh, <laughs> because imagine, wow.
2: imagine for a moment, Jenny, if she had just said yes, I'm leaving meat pie. So you're and saying injury. she
1: should have gone? You know, well, it would, it would just would have changed the
2: story. Like there would no be no three, third season. Like the third season is all about how things transpire after that moment. But if she had just followed Jakin Hikar, Hikin, whatever Valor Magulus guy, if she had followed him it would have changed season three completely.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the, therefore the second book, like the entirety of the second book would have been different.
1: Interesting. So. Uh, I'm also amused by the fact that you're now deferring to his more complicated pronounc- pronunciation of a new name <laughs> instead of the first one that really wasn't that hard to pronounce. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, we are back to Daenerys after all of this, right? We, we, we got we saw. Can you believe Osha how much they fit
0: in an episode? By the way, holy
1: cow! Right. I know I could not believe it. I have more notes on this particular episode than anything else. We're back to Daenerys, and I am like, oh right, Daenerys. Yeah, <laughs> she's a third of the story. Remember we're just, her? Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> um, and she is well. She's cleaning up Carth, uh, essentially,
1: is what it comes down to
0: burning down the cars watch (laughs) out
1: sorry uh so she's in this like kind of you know like screw with your mind thing Mm. that the warlocks are putting on her and she thinks maybe it's true maybe it's not she's walking in a decimated throne room overcome with with snow and everything else and i love that shot but she Mm. hears That's a beautiful shot. It it really is good. And what's really good about it is that you never get a clear view. Like you see symbols, you see like the edges of the throne, you see the window behind the throne, you never see anything full on 100% that you're like, oh yeah, that is absolutely the throne room. You just see pieces of it and you're like, wait, is that... And it is, yeah. and that's one of the reasons why it's so awesome, yet she still hears these dragons screeching in the back of her mind. So she keeps on following that and finds... Drogon. Drogo. Good old Drogo. What? Yeah.
2: With the, ba- what? With the baby. Whoa.
1: A weird looking baby. <laughs> I'm just saying, that was a weird looking... Like, usually babies are so cute. Not this one.
2: I, I would argue that point, but yeah, this is a uh, th- this is essentially. <laughs> um, I think I think almost all babies look like pissed off Larry Flint's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, th- this is a period of the war- the warlocks are testing Daenerys to see if she's see where her her true dreams yep. are, where where her real hopes lie, and then yep. giving her the dragons and basically saying, "Oh, by the way." Uh, they're stronger when they're with you. Or we're stronger now that they're alive, and we're now going to trap you here. So thank you.
1: And she knows that it's a trap.
2: Mm. Yeah, she recognizes I'm immediately that, that it is.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that she realizes that Drogo is not real. She realizes the throne r- room is not real. And she goes to the dragons, and she recognizes them, and she knows that they're real, and she knows that she has a connection with them. Yep, and ultimately commands them to destroy the warlock.
2: Now, Jenny, I want, I want you to give me yes. on a percentage scale, mm-hmm. how closely does this scene match the books?
0: I don't remember. Remember? I'm bad at homework.
1: It's I'm, wait, wait, wait. That's your job. Uh, that That's what you're no, supposed to bring No, no, bring into I changed my job to be
0: the one who doesn't also watch the episode.
1: <laughs> I was very clear about that. The
2: beginning. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler. Once she enters the, uh, the House of the Undying, zero percent. The
0: House of the Undying. I've yes. been waiting all of this season to say that.
2: Zero <laughs> percent matches with the books until she leaves. Like none of it. It's not similar at all. Really, at mm-hmm. all. They completely redid the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, and I don't remember how the original went because I've seen the TV version twice now since I've last read it. But I do remember it's completely different. So
1: it'd be really interesting if we could compare like what the story in the novels were to the story that we had in the mo- the the uh, series. Man, that that would be a really cool discussion. Don't you think that would be cool someday?
2: Let's 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 put a pin in that and talk about that next time.
1: Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, so so so
2: she escapes the house of the undying, and we cut to John and the Grit in another spectacular scene that I had to break down afterwards and explain to the Mm. twins because it's there's a lot of layers there and they come at you very very fast.
1: Yeah, and I had to do a little bit of uh IMDb looking on this one cuz I'm like, wait, "Wait, wait, what who were what just happened?" Mm. Mhm.
0: Uh
2: John has been captured. Uh he is being held by the same troop of wildlings that is h- holding Corn Halfhand. And Igrit keeps pushing him, keeps pushing him, insulting him, talking him down, trying to trying to just just needle him a little bit more. And at one point Corn Halfhand goes ahead and and gets in on it, and the two fight. They tussle. John kills Corin Halfhand, and that essentially earns him his freedom from his shackles.
0: Yeah, this is so layered. Um, <laughs> one, like one of the things I really love is the insults that Corin Halfhand says. Mm. Uh, tr- are you, so did, symbolic
2: did you your traitor father teach you how to swing a sword and you know did your uh, whore mother uh, you know th- things like that it's, it's,
0: yeah but there was one line he said it was something like um, what are you going to do let all these people into the wall and I just thought like god everything is <laughs> yeah <sighs> yeah it's yeah. just like every once in a while something rings like a bell or not
2: you know, or not? <laughs> he, what, what the part that I don't get? Because uh, unfortunately, my HBO wasn't working, so I had to rely on my uh, backup copy uh, that didn't have subtitles on it. <laughs> so when Corn like the last thing he says is John's got his sword deep within Corn's uh, gullet. He whispers something to John. I couldn't get what that we was. We are the
0: watchers on the
2: wall. Is that what he said? See yeah.
1: Oh, I totally missed yeah,
2: that. I, I knew he said something. I rewound it like three times. And I just couldn't quite catch it. Um,
1: and I have to tell you, I had to watch both of these episodes with subtitles on the entire time. Mm. It's the only way I could keep up with
2: it? Yeah, there's because there's a lot going on.
1: Because I kept on rewinding. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it, they're they're very fast paced episodes because they they had to they they had to have that battle go. They didn't want to spoil the battle earlier in the season. In anyway. Um, and then we go back to um I believe I believe his official name is
1: Wait 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 wait. We leave that scene and someone from I don't know who they are, the people with the awesome camouflage basically say burn the body.
2: You don't want that one coming back so to you. So it
1: won't come back for yeah.
2: them. He's a, he's yeah. A, he's 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 burn the body. You don't, and then he looks at John and says, You don't want that one coming back for you. Yeah. Yeah. Dark. Um, And, and, and very, I mean, 10 minutes later, it's, it's foreshadowing, but
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you can call 10 minutes foreshadowing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's like, Hey, we're
2: going to cut away and then come back. And then when we come back, this will come to fruition. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, and of course, you got Igrit telling uh, Skullface, um, you, you now you can tell the king of the north uh, that this is the man that killed half halfhand or whatever, so mm-hmm. it kind of already gives John a bit of a status. And like I said, now he doesn't have the shackles on his hands, so he's he can walk and swing his arms at the same time. Even, even though, he, you know, he's assumingly n- not going to win any any battles anymore. But um, okay, so now we go back to plot hole number three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't, so, that, isn't that his name?
0: Basically. Um... Daenerys comes back to the people who betrayed her hmm. and takes care of yep. them in epic fashion.
2: Zaro yep. zones Doxos. They, they get him out of bed. He's with the handmaiden, the one that you, you remember, Richard, you were talking about why they were arguing before, and now it kind of comes clear. And yep. She's actually – Recognized
1: her yeah, immediately. Yeah, she's sleeping
2: with, with Zaro. They grab his amulet off his neck. They take him to his vault. They open his vault, and all of his riches are there on display. There aren't any. None. There's not even a glimmer of light coming back out of that that vault. It's a complete charade.
1: Nope. But you know what? It happens to be, you know, like a really good. I don't know. Say, if you needed a cell mm. to put someone in permanently.
2: <laughs> uh, so yeah, they the they usher plot hole number three and the handmaiden that uh, that never was. Back in, they usher them into the vault. They lock the vault and they proceed to pillage everything out of Karth. All the gold and jewels.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Karth, is, the shadow of Karth now exists where the light uh, used to be believed to have been.
1: Well, we don't see that yet, but we assume that that's going to happen. And all of that is so that they can get... A ship. A ship.
2: We sacked an entire city so we can afford a ship.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> like there weren't any
2: in the harbor, you could just go take. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. But <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, I mean, like what, you can convince one of these wizards to come and just. But anyway. <laughs> and then we go back. So good. yeah, we go back Final north to the scene.
0: wall. Ends in the cold. Uh, uh, interestingly, not with John. Right. It's an interesting choice to end with. Samwise Gamgee game G. Sam, Ed, and Gren. Samuel Gamji, and uh, he's just
1: messing with me now because I finally have his name right.
0: Samuel Tarly, (laughs) and um, they're just goofing off, kind of, and they're looking for poop to burn. Bad things happen. The White Walkers show up.
1: (laughs) Right, they do. But before that, best line of this episode: people shouldn't live. Anywhere you need to burn shit yep. to keep warm.
0: <laughs> Super correct. Yeah. The, the,
1: the three of them are literally out in the white
2: wastes looking for animal poop under the snow to burn for fire, for warmth. And they hear a horn blast. Oh, corn half you returned. They hear another blast. Oh, the wildlings are attacking. And then the fateful third blast. That's white oh. walkers. and and this is the part of this scene that that took me out of it a little bit the guy that that says run he yells run really really loud and it's a long yell it's not like like, run it's run he's yelling away from the two people he's with and he yells longer than it takes them to run past (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so they run Sam can't keep up so he goes and he hides behind a rock and well the White Walkers come
0: yeah. Now, this is not our first hardcore glimpse of the Walkers, right? Or is it? Like, really up close and personal.
1: Well, well isn't it our first full-on body... For a while. Like, okay, they're clearly some sort well, of... Well,
2: previous to this, we just had the one that we picked up the boys at um, at Craster's Keep, right? Isn't that the only White Walker we've seen? First yeah.
1: episode, wasn't it?
2: Well, yeah, because of the girl in. And all that. Um, So I guess this is the third time we've seen them. Yeah, but every
0: time it's a shock.
2: Right this this time is the is the first first time you see more than one at a time. I think, especially in the numbers that it showed, because it showed dozens and hundreds. Um, But it's the first time they showed. And
1: I feel like this is like the reveal. Like you know, we had all of these scenes that were kind of like Godzilla or whatever other horror movie where you see different views and different perspectives, but you never see the full-on what this really is kind of thing. Right, And you see, oh, okay, so basically these are blue-eyed, gl- blue-glowing-eyed monsters that are kind of like zombies.
2: Mm. Uh, this is also the first time I think that you see them on a horse, like, so it shows some sort of Who intelligence. also,
1: by the way, is a zombie.
2: Right uh and that's something else to keep in mind for later because wow that 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 takes a turn uh. <laughs> and that's that's the end of the episode that's the end of the season that's that's how it that's how it cuts off uh so richard at the end of the second season now how are you feeling about the show
1: all right so a i'm exhausted b I'm a little bit regretful that we still have not figured out how to set up a Richard viewing cam <laughs> because we've talked about that for two seasons now. So maybe for well, season gonna three. Well, we're going to do it in season out. three.
0: Let me tell you what.
1: <laughs> and it won't be creepy at all. Not in any way whatsoever.
0: It's really easy. You just get a. <laughs> it's really easy. I used to work in the video. I'll help you. <laughs>
1: I I'm telling you I I have an Xbox. I know that it is capable of doing this. We just need to enable mm-hmm. it. Anyway, so yeah, uh, this I uh, this episode, the these last two episodes, I think were probably of everything that I've seen, the most action-packed, the most full of stuff that's been going on. We had the like, you know, the big payoff episodes in the middle of the first season. We had the end of the first season where kind of, you know, Ned gets his unfortunate due and all of the fallout from that. And then season two was just a whole lot of plotting and, and planning until we got to the big moment, the big battle, because it was all about, you know, I honestly felt, like a lot of this reminded me of the days of, and I'm, I don't mean to get political here, but the days of George W. Bush saying, "Saddam, we're going to come and get you. We're going to get you. We are going to come and get you. You just watch. We're going to come and get. Well, come on, right? just go get them, mm. right? Like, let's just let's just do this." And I feel like that's what episode 9 and 10 in the season really were. Episode 9 was that, and ten's the fallout, and there's so much that happened. Mm-hmm. We moved substantially from where we were at the beginning of the season to the end of the season, and most of it happened in the last three episodes.
0: Yeah, it was a stalling season. As someone who has not watched it again, I will tell you, the reason why I haven't watched it is I kept wanting to and and pulling them up and then reading the descriptions. And I would just be like, like, ugh, "Ugh, again? So I just gave myself permission (laughs) as someone who has already watched it to skip it. But I... um, I'm definitely going back and watching the last two episodes because they're just ballsy and awesome.
2: Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, if, if you yep. didn't like the middle of the second season, the third season is going to seem to drag a little bit, too, because there's a couple big peaks. But for, for the most part, it's really a lot of world building and a lot of placing the pieces and uh, character development, which, I mean, isn't a bad thing because some of the character no. development stuff yeah. especially is r- really pays off, really is awesome. But there are going to be times we're going to be doing you know, the double season where it's like, well, these are two episodes. I'm Let's just go ahead and make it three episodes because we need some kind of action somewhere in here. Yeah, but um, we have
0: to do them faster because we've been talking for as long as Daenerys Targaryen was in that tower.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, the one thing that I will say, it, like, I just don't want it to get like crazy, crazy slow this season, at least moved on enough that I felt like I could keep up with it whereas you know as a comparison Walking Dead season two lost me like yeah. I never went back to it I mm-hmm. had no interest in ever going yeah. back and this kept me engaged at least well that decision is proven correct
0: <laughs> so one final thought from each of us Anthony go Oof.
2: I'm, I'm I'm great thanks, um, uh,
0: richard no i'm just <laughs> i'm'm
2: I'm, gl- I'm glad this season is I'm glad this season is over because it feels like the game is officially begun now like the yes. the preliminary rounds are over, and now we can actually start moving the big pieces
0: when you blow people up with wildfire you the game is on
2: yeah
0: <laughs> all right my takeaway from again having not watched it is that the only thing I regret is like i wish got it I wish there was a way that you could resort tv shows without having to edit it yourself illegally into their into their episode their character like things and watch all the character stuff at once Hmm. because then i would definitely i think it'd be more interesting like i would love to see all of egreet and john right Hmm. uh i would love to see that just all their that developing i would love to see you know all of braun and Tyrion and the intrigue but i i I don't know. It's a lot. I just want to like see bits all in a row. I guess is what I'm saying. That's a weird thing to want. It's, a, it's, it's a whole
2: lot of Rob to get to that point.
0: Yeah. That's, I think what I was saying. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Richard.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's a shame that this show is as popular as it is because that sort of thing is exactly what YouTube is good for. And for shows that don't have the notoriety that this does, you can find exactly that kind of stuff on YouTube, but you're not going to find it for something this high profile because it'll be taken down in a moment. You can guarantee that the folks behind HBO are not going to let that happen. Anyway, my thoughts on this season are Tyrion rocks. Tyrion is the man long live Tyrion.
0: Yeah. Amen. All right. So real quick round the horn, where can people find you? Uh, When you're not thronesing.
2: You can find me at Ritual Misery, ritualmisery.com. We stream live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash ritual misery and diamondclub.tv.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Richard Gunther. And I host home on a show about smart home technology for DIY types. And that is available on all of the usual podcast places. Just, Look for my name on, you know, iTunes, whatever.
0: <laughs> you guys, I'm just a bum. I don't do anything.
1: Uh, that's not true. That is so not true.
0: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm at JennyJ23, J-E-N-N-I-E-J 23 on Twitter. Um, I produce a podcast for the public radio show Marketplace called Make Me Smart. And uh, other interesting things are coming in season three.
2: Dun, dun, dun. Oh wait, wait, wait.
1: One more thing I have to say, you know, we, when we started this show, I think I talked about I don't know if it was pre-show or in-show, but I talked about how he's finally caught up on listening to my podcast. You know what I'm not caught up on? Because you guys like gang them all together. Mm-hmm. I am not caught up on Cheers. Oh, thanks for reminding me to that. you guys are talking about Cheers.
0: I, I should say there is a podcast called Let's Talk About Cheers dot com. It has its own website now and what 's so great about it this time is that we actually got a guest on whose name is Patrick McCarthy, and he is just like hands down he 's like one degree removed from people who have actually written on cheers, so it is worth a listen let 's talk about cheers dot com mm.
1: uh,
2: If people would like to give us feedback on this show, they can go to let 's talk about thrones at gmail dot and let us know where we got wrong, what episode we should have covered a little bit better, and why you think Rob is worth sticking around and uh, talking about. I mean, he's kind of cute. Spoiler alert. He's not worth it. I'm just it. saying. He's not. <laughs> he's not worth it. Are we done talking about Thrones for tonight?
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, thanks to everybody who listens. And who else should I thank?
2: The
1: creators of Game of Thrones?
0: Thanks, creators of Game of Thrones. Your new show is stupid.
1: <laughs> Don't screw up Star Wars. Yeah.
0: bum a All right. Good night, everybody.
1: R-A-T-U-A-L-M-I-S-E-R-Y